0: Shut up and sit down. Tonight is our night to send a message to everyone in the league. We take three points here and we go up.
1: This is the 90 Plus Podcast, part of the
2: Sports Talk Line Network. It's okay in two weeks because tonight we're getting so drunk that tomorrow we're not going to be able to play.
1: Now, hear your hosts, Ben Rigetti and Joshua Griffith.
0: Episode 64 of the 90 Plus Podcast. Ben Getty Josh Griffith, we've got a lot to get into here. It's game day, or it's been game day, or it's coming up to game day, depending on when you're listening to this. It's our first game preview of 2022. We've got a special edition, joined by our good friends Alex Gongoruzic and Sam Rowan of the third sub podcast we've got a round table to open up the year i hope you guys are excited as we are we had a great chat with them love those guys we got it was a we had to cut it short but man i tell you we could have kept going for hours with them so bringing in our permanent co-host josh griffith who obviously is going to be here every week he's done a bang up job in his first few episodes and we're happy to have him as we inch closer and closer to the MLS regular
2: season Josh how you doing buddy I'm doing so fantastic it was great to talk with Sam and Alex like you said yeah we we had to cut it a little bit short we could have gone on for probably another couple hours chatting with them about (laughs) all things I think we we got to about three or four of the you know 10 points that we wanted to touch on With them, But it it was so much fun we're getting closer and closer to the season MLS kicks off the the Whitecaps and Columbus crew from Ohio which was um, apparently a little bit uh, blue and uh, and rainy and game day weather is expected to be uh, 20 degrees Fahrenheit so hopefully the Whitecaps have brought their scarves but man am I so excited to be watching this one from home. And then getting to uh, to BC Place next weekend for the home opener.
0: Every time you say it, Josh, I can see you're smiling. We're all excited within know, the media know, circle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously, it would be rude of me to go this far into the episode without mentioning who is going to be joining us to preview the Columbus Crew game. Obviously, third Sabri, a bit more big picture, looking at the season as a whole and some roster uh, formation kind of, breakdowns and predictions but purely for the upcoming game against columbus or the previous game against columbus uh we've got patrick murphy joining us from uh sb nation's massive report so patrick will be on after the third sub uh towards the tail end of the show but yeah no we had great chat with patrick as well to find out a little bit more about columbus about their offseason about you know, some weaknesses that Vancouver may be able to (laughs) exploit that we've passed on to Vanny and Axel. So if, you know, hopefully if you guys are a little bit late to the recording, the Whitecaps have won. They've done a lot of damage on the right-hand side and we've got a personal shout-out from Vanny Sartini. In a perfect world, that's where we're going to be in a couple of days' time. But for right now, it's myself. It's Josh, it's Alex, it's Sam with a full season round table 90 plus collabing with the third sub podcast followed up by Patrick Murphy to preview the Columbus Crew game. Talk to you guys in a bit. episode 63 continuing for i believe the third time we've had them on as a, a round table alex and sam joining us from the third sub podcast We've had you guys on individually me and seb we've gone over to your guys' show now it's your first time getting in the into the round table with myself and joshua as the uh, the tag team how are you guys doing
1: happy to be on the show it's a pleasure to, to be on the the rebooted 90 plus podcast i can't lie when you guys said you were folding last year, I was it was sad. We, we wanted to keep you guys around, but thankfully Josh, shout out for for stepping up and uh, right. joining Ben on the show. So it's a pleasure to have you guys in the in the market, and great to be joined, joining you guys today. We got lots to talk about.
3: Yeah, it's always good to chat. Whitecaps, uh, glad the the positive vibes are continuing. You know, to to young and thriving Whitecaps podcast It's always fun to get together. So, uh, oh man, the seasons snuck up on me here but i'm I'm ready to dive into some talking points
0: it really has you know we're recording this on what is it it's yeah it's monday today uh this weekend obviously it's the the season opener the week after will be the home opener they'll host new york they're away in columbus this weekend it was a fast off season and even the preseason really flew by and i think with uh, all the news coming out of training camp in terms of uh goalkeeper drama and then heading down to san diego no streams of the games it's kind of really tough to get a real handle on what we've kind of gone through in these last six weeks or so so we'll start off diving straight into it in a nutshell what did you guys make of the preseason
3: I mean, I guess I'll I'll go off the bat here. I mean, a bunch of question marks, right? Like, yeah. what do we really know? Uh, I don't know if you guys have chatted about it much, but I was incredibly disappointed personally with the the lack of visibility of those preseason matches. I am very glad I kind of went off on our show about the lack <laughs> of streaming. I'm very glad they did the, uh, the inner squad match for fans because that was really my main gripe was that you're not creating this connection with your fan base heading into the season. So I think that was good. They at least had some event to kind of get that bond forming before the season started. But for, you know, for us white caps, geeks, deep in the weeds, you know, I, I want to evaluate super draft picks and stuff like that. And without the, uh, without the streaming, you're not really able to do that. The highlight packages that they sent out afterwards, you know, not really seeing a lot there. Obviously, you know, had, had uh, Giovanni Aguilar kind of, pop off a little bit but again you know really hard to tell brian white scoring goals that's always good to see uh but so so many things still a little bit uncertain and I mean, we'll probably get into this when it comes to predictions and stuff like that but it's just you know are the white caps able to build on that second half success i think that all the messaging is right but are they actually capable of repl- replicating that formula that's still you know, has to be proven. It's not just something that's going to automatically happen. So that's, yeah, it's still it's still a lot to see here in the first couple of weeks of the regular season. Could be a could be a big indication.
2: So Sam, I definitely want to talk about the the lack of coverage for the White Whitecaps, but I want to get Alex's thoughts on what his takeaways were first from the the preseason and just kind of training camp for the Vancouver. Whitecaps.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't have too much beyond what Sam says. I feel like, I think there's a lot of good. I think from what we can infer, there's a lot of positives. You see things like Brian White scoring hat tricks, Ryan Gold, you know, looks to have been doing a a decent, you know, been doing decent throughout preseason. I think knowing what we know about Vanny Sartini, what we know about this roster. So the fact that you brought back a lot of players, what we've seen from Vanny, what I got to see from, his Vancouver sessions the fact they went out and won all their preseason games or drew so they didn't lose any and they finished the last one with a you know a good win against the Galaxy side that teams are saying or or, or people are saying could finish top four in the the Western Conference like there's a lot to like and obviously until you see the game tape you can't be like okay were these good wins or were they just kind of smash and grab like it's preseason you don't want to results are secondary it's all about the process but based on what I know about Vanny Sartini what he's been doing I'd like to imagine what he you know what the Whitecaps showed in those games were on par with what he's seen you know what he wanted from his team and from what he's saying it sounds like that was the case so I think overall there's a lot to to, to like and now it's just heading in the season it's going to be okay how much there's just so many gambles on this Whitecaps roster you know whether you like it or not, just can Brian White replicate his success? Can, how's Ryan Gould going to handle his first full season of MLS? How is Thomas Assal going to be as a starter? How is your back line going to hold up? You got so many gambles. It's just going to be okay how many of those gambles can can pay off. And so far the preseason shows that things are on the right track, but now it's okay. What's going to happen when the, the, the going gets tough, when the season season kicks off? But uh, globally, I, I liked what I, what I could see. And from what yeah. I heard, it would just be nice to see a little more and especially break things down. But, you know, it's MLS. You, you get used to it and just it'll be nice to watch them play a proper match against Columbus and really see, OK, what were they working on? Where are they at? Are they, you know, were those pre was that preseason kind of a mirage or is it more of an indication of what this season will bring?
0: Uh, So you kind of mentioned Brian White and Ryan Gold and the kind of how the attack's going to come together a little bit. And me and Josh, we've disagreed on this on the last one or two shows. So we were all impressed when Lucas Cavallini showed up to training camp and there was nothing but positive reviews and how in shape he was and everything coming out uh, in the direction of Lucas Cavallini all seeming very positive. Do you how are you guys partnering Brian White, Lucas Cavallini and any other striker attacking combinations? I don't know if you guys have on your respective podcasts or on your respective writing broken down or predicted a starting 11, but for us the attack and how this partnership of Cavallini, White, do they fit gold in as some sort of false 9? And Dahomey pushing forward a little bit. What is the ideal and predicted uh, starting uh, attacking attack looking like for you two?
3: That's a it's a really good question, right? And here's the thing with Kava. Like, he <laughs> he's got he's got the physical tools. Even even last season when he was recovering from the knee injury, like he had some training sessions where his hold up play, his touch, his passing, like it was genuinely incredibly impressive he was showing off talent that you're like yep that guy could start up front for canada um you know if not for the world-class options available at that position like kava has the talent for me it's it's kava's mental game right like can he be focused for a full 90 minutes or even 75 minutes can he avoid taking ridiculous yellow cards at the end of matches when he comes on as a sub it's can he handle being a super sub if that's what he's asked to do you know those are the questions i think that are it's kind of what's up in the air with Cava you know that he has the ability and i don't i don't know if alex and i have even really talked about it that much because i think we sort of have it implied between the two of us i mean it's brian white's job up front i think and i don't know i'd rather have either ryan gald up there as a false nine if that's what you want to play around with or christian finally under the starting system you starting to maximize the you play a little more advanced so you know those guys would be options for me before kava up front uh the you know i don't know how well brian white and kava would work together i mean maybe that's something they've been they've been tinkering with in the off season but i think you know is gonna have to start probably building up fitness anyways and then Maybe it's a squad rotation thing. Maybe you you find a tactical wrinkle. But I, I feel like it's kind of Brian White's spot for now, and you you just kind of go from there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have to agree, with, of course, with Brian White. I think you, you can't do anything but run with him. And I think the fact that you reward him with a new contract, you didn't trade him while his value was high, it obviously shows that you want to keep him around, and you're betting on that success. It's just where does Cavallini fall in that that sort of discussion I mean if you can get in an ideal world you're getting a productive white a productive Cavallini be it playing off of each other up front either one coming off the bench one starting you'd like to figure out a way where you can each get at least eight goals out of both of them combined if not you know double digits it's, it's a tall ask of course but that's what you'd like and I mean I harbor hope that Cavallini can rescue his White Cap's career like he's a good player like Sam mentions you see him know play for for you know at training i've you know seen him train with canada as well where he he's up to the caliber of these these players that canada brings in like it's not like he's sitting completely out of his you know element there when he's playing for canada like he's a good uh player i think it's for me i'd love to see them tried out together up front i think if you can make that two big strikers Kava is a little, you know, Kava's pretty good at playing with his feet a little deeper. So maybe he could sit a, a tiny bit underneath White leading the line. Uh, if you can make it work, it'd be deadly. It's just in this three, five, two. The one thing is you're already short on midfield options. And by playing Ryan Gold underneath White and Cavallini, who are probably aren't going to track back and, and fill in, it's going to ask a lot of Gold. And personally, I mean, Gold can play. I mean, he's been playing as a number eight this preseason. Not something I necessarily agree with, but it shows. His qualities as a player he can fill that role personally I just want him to be getting the ball creating focus on that side of the game that's just what I want from him but uh, if you can find a way to get white have a gold on the field and not sacrifice the midfield I'm sure it would be you know it, it could do some damage the question is okay do you have the midfielders do you have the wing backs to, to to make up for that and you know when you start to factor okay Christian Dahomey is probably going to play at wing back already he's not you know, he's very good at wingback, but defensively, he's not the same as a Christian Gutierrez or a Jermaine Brown. You're already starting to sacrifice. And I just wonder if the caps go a little too top heavy, they're going to lose some of that defensive uh, identity that they're going to want. And especially they're going to need with Thomas Asal in goal. Like, yes, Thomas Asal is going to be a great goalkeeper. I'm sure he could be a great goalkeeper as soon as this year, but you don't want to throw him to the wolves right away and have him absorb XG and shots and all that again. So I think, the white caps are going to have to find that balance between, okay, how much do we want to go gung-ho? And unfortunately, as much as I'd want to see Cavallini in white, I think it might be a little too top-heavy uh, right away. And Although it could be fun if, if they do make it work.
0: Alex, I'm surprised we've made it 10 minutes through our roundtable session before you mentioned XG. I'll be honest. <laughs> I, know,
1: I know that's <laughs> just know my that's second
0: one of your answer, favorites. right?
2: <laughs> okay, well, I'm I'm curious just if Lucas Cavallini is a fit in the system that Vanni Sartini wants to put in place right now with the Whitecaps. Because you see he's definitely, you know, focusing more on on runs and overlapping play and actually, you know, running some smart football instead of actually just throwing it into the box and hoping for a big header from from the front. Do you guys think that Cavallini can fit into that role or, or is he going to just kind of be hanging on the waiver because, I mean, it, it doesn't seem like he has a fit on this team right now.
3: It's interesting because I think the, the impression of Kava just sort of from his stature and, like, his demeanor, and then what he actually is as a footballer can sometimes be two different things. Like, as Alex said, yeah. he actually, he does like to drop deeper. Sometimes he shows the ability to play with the ball at his feet. You'd think he'd be a... But we don't know, see it very often. ...whip crosses into the box and, and get on the end of headers. But... He's just, he's found no consistency tactically, form-wise. I mean, I don't think Mark DeSantos did anything for Cava tactically. Like, they just kind of, as as you said, Josh, like, they basically just left him to his own devices up front. It was like, here you go, Cava, good luck. (laughs) Hope you can score a goal. We're not going to do anything for you. I I do have some faith that Vanny is, you know, a smart guy, and I think he's going to understand Cava's strengths and, provide the kind of service, provide the kind of opportunity uh, to get the most out of him. Like if if you can find a way to get Ryan Gold feeding the ball to Cava the way he's been able to feed the ball to Brian White, there's a pathway for success there. Again, it's just, you know, is Cava going to be mentally strong enough to wait it out, to be patient if he needs to? It's just all that other stuff. You know, is he going to be talking with his agent trying to find a, find a move back to Liga MX? Like, I don't know. If he can stay focused, I have faith. I just, it definitely can happen. It's just, will it all come together?
0: I I think, and we've mentioned this on previous episodes that in the Mark Santos era with Lucas Cavallini, there was no Ryan Gold. There was formation inconsistency. There was, uh, in you know, a consistent lingering injury. You know, whether it's X, Y, or Z, the reasons that it never completely came together. And now Cavallini, he's proven to Vanni and the rest of the Whitecaps that he is fit. He's getting over his injury bug. He's got fantastic support in the likes of Ryan Gold, who, like you say, we're hoping for more vertical up and down the pitch and less side to side, less shuttling the ball and you know inching it forward and more of that well, just
3: more more actual tactical direction rather than one guy with the ball and everyone else just sort of standing around static i mean Ex- pretty much anything yeah. is better than that
0: it, it is and you mentioned you know vanny sartini we obviously a lot of people love vanny sartini within the the white caps uh you know Fan base and the, the media crew and everyone else. So there is a lot of faith that if anyone can get the best out of Cavallini in whatever system, it's going to be Vanny Sartini with the support of Ryan Gold and Dahomey and Gutierrez whipping in balls or... Tybert slash Awusu pushing forward, and Kaio Alessandre with these longs, you know, stretching through balls. That's that's where the support's coming from. And there was no Kaio, there was no Gold, there was no consistency, no formation, no Vanny under Mark Desanto. So I think for all of those reasons, I think like A, this is going to be the best season, the best that the Whitecaps have seen of Lucas Cavallini, and that he's going to really salvage his value.
1: Now, yeah, all I'll say on, on Lucas Cavallini is that before he was a white cap, I did check out a fair few of his games in Mexico. Obviously, he was following it for Canada purposes and watched the tape, etc. Lucas Cavallini, the way he scored a lot of his goals in Mexico, we have to remember he had some good seasons in Mexico. I think, like, overall, some double digit plus goals in a good, you know, good league. He'd score most of them off low cutbacks, off headers, off of runs in behind where he'd just kind of shoot off, you know, these kind of snapshots from, from, from tight angles. Look at Brian White's goals last year. I think of the goal mm-hmm. against Colorado where he got in behind and kind of fired off a quick shot. That's the kind of goal Lucas Cavalini scored in Mexico. I think of his his hat trick of headers against San Jose. Those were the kind of goals Lucas Cavalini scored in Mexico. Uh, you know, Brian White inter, interplaying with, with Ryan Gold, getting him behind. Those are all the kinds of goals that Lucas Caballini scored in the past. So I think the profiles there, it's just under Mark DeSantos. He wasn't getting those low cutbacks. He wasn't getting those. Sometimes he was getting those crosses into the box. He wasn't getting those runs in behind all the time like he he was in Mexico. So I do harbor hope that based on what we saw from Brian White in Vanny Sartini's system in that that you know 15 game period where white scored like nine or 10 goals a lot of those 10 goals were the kind of goals caba would thrive on so there's no reason in my head why if you put Cavallini in that setup he wouldn't do it again it's just like sam mentioned it's, it's can he wait out his opportunity can he work with white can the white caps find a place for him but i have no doubt that in the right system in the right headspace, based on how the white caps play there should be no reason why he can't score goals it's just so many external factors
0: before we move on from the Cavallini talk and onto something else cuz we're already you know there's 10 plus minutes you've spent just on Cavallini. No, I'm uh, excited
2: I'm, I'm excited about Cavallini now. <laughs> I want to talk more about Cavallini.
0: <laughs> One of my favorite stats is that for in his two seasons now with with uh, no, no is it, yeah, his two seasons with the team now, all but one of his goals have been first-touch finishes, whether that's in the air or, like Alex, you're saying, these snapshots, these cutbacks, and these first-time finishes – all but one you know and you're paying uh, a lot of money for a dp striker we know what we're going to get out of lucas cavallini we're not trying to make him be this creative on the ball and doing step overs and you know gonna go around players that's just not the sort of player he is and that's not what the sort of results are that we're hoping to see we know what the ceiling is i think for lucas cavallini and we know how he's going to get there
1: just give the tank ammo and he'll shoot it that's all i have to say
0: (laughs) i love that there we go (laughs) Uh, we'll move on a little bit to uh some season predictions um we'll start uh any storylines or anything kind of a little low-key that you guys have your eye on as we get closer to the opening day
1: wow putting us on the spot um (laughs) i mean i guess we can bounce a few off here as we we kind of go I feel like one one guy I want to talk about is Diver Caicedo. I feel like not enough people are mentioning how you know in his first season in MLS sometimes as a super sub you know partly under that that first half of Mark DeSantis. He finished with what five goals and five assists in his MLS debut campaign. I think when he came in I said like for a, a young player coming in MLS I'd say anything above five goals five ass- assists was a re- resounding success. So I've for Me, I'm just looking at you know, everyone's talking Cavallini, White, Dahomey, even you know, some of the other guys, and Ryan Gold kind of forgetting where Diver Caicedo fits in. And to be fair, it's partly due to the fact that unfortunately, one just the one part of the Vanni Sartini system is you lose Caicedo as a winger. And you know, that that what was it, White Cavallo, uh, you know, sorry, White Dahomey and uh, Caicedo front three was very fun when they got that chance. But uh, if Caicedo can kind of carve out a role in, in Vanny's system again, and he showed it to be fair, he still kept on producing in the second half of the season. I think he could have a really explosive season because if that's what he showed in his first year and he's a lot more comfortable, comfortable, sorry, probably a lot stronger now, uh, there's no reason why he he can't have a, a breakout season. So I, I think Dyber Caicedo is kind of a, a player to watch on the white caps that maybe isn't getting the the praise he deserves.
2: I'm, I'm curious, Alex, where do you think Dabber fits in? Because I, I think that he is someone to watch too. Obviously, he's so young 21. I think people forget that. Like he almost seems like he's like a, a well aged veteran that's been in leagues for years and is coming to the Whitecaps and MLS. But he's still a young guy. But where do you think that he's going to fit in in Danny Sardini's system?
1: It's a tough question. I think, uh personally, I think I see him on the, as one of the front two. Again, my his dream position is a winger, and there's just no wingers, and I just don't think he has the same attributes as Dahomey at wingback, where maybe in a few years he does, but there's just no winger in MLS as consistent as Dahomey is, especially on the defensive side of the game. So it's not fair to compare him to Dahomey there. So I think it's up front. Personally, it, the way I'd see it is you play him off of one of white Cavallini, whoever you are playing off of. I just think it adds a little more dynamic edge to the white caps attack and if you find a way where the is at wing back brown or gutierrez is at the other wing back you got Gald, you got one of white and cavalini and you got Caicedo in there that's about as fluid as, as of a front five you're going to get from the, the white caps. so i think i see Caicedo personally starting up front up uh, playing off of one of cavalini or or, or white but i do have a s- sneaky feeling he's probably going to be coming off the bench but the nice thing is now with Manny Sartini, at least we can trust that if he isn't starting right now, he'll probably start a lot of games because so Vanny showed to be one of the more capable managers at rotating that we'd ever see. Because we kind of had this discussion heading into last year, like, oh, there's all these players. Where did X fit X fit in, X fit in, Y fit in? With Mark DeSantis, when he had a favorite, you play him. At least now, you know, if, OK, if Caicedo is going to start a little on the bench, at least, you know, he'll find his niche eventually, right?
0: Yeah, you're right there, and you know we a name that, and in a similar position as Caicedo is one of Mark Desantis's favorites in Ryan Raposo, who I've really been on the fence about for two years, for good and for bad. And you know, there's so many of these young players that are starting to break through, like a Michael Baldissimo, like a uh, Ryan Raposo, Cam Habibula is one of my favorites, David Egbo. You've got Betcher coming out of the draft. Is, and I know, Alex, you're a big fan of Ali Ahmed. Is there any one in particular that you're hoping either to start to get some first-team appearances or is looking to sort of become, not necessarily a staple, but more frequent appearances for the first team? Any of these young guys kind of on the cusp of breaking through for Vancouver?
1: I mean, I'll hop in first since you threw me out, threw me out there. I think Ali Ahmed <laughs> for me is the one because I'm very high on Cameron Habibula. Don't get me wrong. I think he's going to It's <laughs> just, there's no fit for him because you play him at the number 10. He's competing against Ryan Gold and also Pedro Vite, who looks fantastic. And, you know, theoretically, you got Kyle Alessandre as well. Is he going to play... Up, he's a winger, kind of at heart. There's no wing. Is he going to play up front? I mean, yeah, he can, but it's already... You got Sato, you got Nahoma, you got White. Heck, we're forgetting about, you know, David Agbo, who can also, you know, he looked decent in his lone stint at, at Phoenix. So I think for Cam... Personally, I'd almost want him to get sent on loan instead of going to MLS next just because I feel like he's not one of those guys I want to see at MLS next to see that pro game like I've seen enough from from Cam where I'm like, okay, I want him to go in an environment where he's testing himself regularly. But if he can maybe start an MLS next pro and work his way up. Okay, but uh, yeah, you look at a lot of the other players too. Uh, you know, some of the names you mentioned, like Reiner post. So where does he fit? He's been playing wing back in the preseason. Is that his best role? Honestly, as we've seen, his best roles probably is a number 10. Again, where is that that fit in the white cap system right now? It's non-existent. And you know, you look from guys like Faccierei, Campania, who I'm both very high on as well. Are they going to get in over the five center backs that the white caps have? No. So for me, that's where Ali Ahmed comes in. Cause you look at the wing back depth. It's already a bit stretched, and then they didn't sign Kwame Awuwa, who would have shorted up there's a role for for Ali to to come in and really get minutes, especially with how active, you know, Vanny is with rotating and, and subbing and, and making sure his wing backs are always fresh. I think it would be really good to see Ahmed start with 15, 20 minutes in these first few games. And if he adapts to the role, you give him a bigger role. If not, you kind of let him, figure it out with the MLS Next Pro. So I just think from looking at the Whitecaps' needs on the roster and where Ahmed is, I think he could really make an impact a lot sooner than the others might, even though they, you know, we, we might talk about the factionaries and the Companions and the Habibulas, but just looking at the roster, Ali Ahmed. And then if not, I guess since we'll have to mention, if nothing changes in goal, Isaac Bomer and Max Anchor could be <laughs> thrown in uh, completely out of you know necessity, if, if not anything. But no, certainly Ahmed's my one I'm watching.
2: Well, the Whitecaps are still actively searching for a goalkeeper of uh, experience. I guess um, I have been told that uh, we'll hopefully slot in at some point, but we're, we're running out of time right now. Uh, Sam, what do you, what are you thoughts on some of the Whitecaps, younger players and prospects you're looking at?
3: Yeah, I guess I'll try to uh, answer a combination of questions here. So, Try to answer like the the position group i'm sort of interested in and young player at the same time and that's i think still you know central midfield like okay you've got your number 10 but kyle el i think i mean allegedly has his visa um you know <laughs> but but he's still going to he, he's in bc at the very least but you know still going to need to find his way we were talking with uh hard journalist shout out to har you know he's going to need time to get back up to match fitness coming back from from an injury that really, you know, is not something easy to just turn on and go full gas. So getting back, sure, he might be in good physical shape, but actually getting back to like a match fit state is going to be challenging. So that means that you've got Leo Usu, Sebastian Burhalter, Michael Baldissimo. One or two of those guys is going to have a a serious role to play in the midfield and the and the other guys are going to have at least complementary roles. And, you know, does Vanny Sartini go really properly into this three in the middle system that he's toyed around with in the preseason? When we chatted with Vanny on the last media call, he mentioned how someone like Baldy might benefit from that system a little bit better. Uh, Baldy doesn't really survive defensively in a two-man midfield, but maybe as a defensive mid that can make a lot of long passes, it suits him. So, you know, people kind of forgot about Baldy last year. Uh, and he kind of thrived despite Mark Santos's coaching at times. So I- I'm holding out some hope that Baldy could have a resurgent year, but that's kind of dependent on where they go tactically.
0: Yeah, no, Sam, I love that you brought up that Michael Baldissimo point, and I raved about this in our last episode when we kind of predicted some form of a starting 11 where he'd be competing with Kaio at that lone number six spot. I kind of don't see Kaio as box to box as some other people and have him sitting a little further back, but we'll... We'll table that for another discussion as we're already running a little long here. So we'll jump kind of finally into our general season predictions, how we think the team's going to fare. Uh, Josh, you're on record saying the team was fourth that they're going to finish up. Was it third?
2: Uh, fourth, yes.
0: Fourth. I went for fifth that they're going to ever so slightly improve and they'll make it through to the second rounds before uh, getting, take. you know knocked out by a team They're that's a, a, a genuine
2: MLS. I thought
0: they'd make Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm saying fifth, losing in the second round to a team that realistically is a real MLS Cup contender. Um, Alex and Sam, I don't know, again, on your guys' shows and your writing and everything, if you've come out with a season prediction or if this is the kind of, okay, I'm getting the, the no for either of them. So before I, I won't force you into saying something now, but... Give me a oh, ballpark.
1: Absolutely. We'll force. Okay, I, yeah. I, I take I'm, it back. Here Alex, it. Alex, if you're if we, you're We all have years, to do our predictions this, this week anyway. <laughs> so, like, may as well get the ball rolling because I've been kind of right. thinking about it. Subject to change once I do proper research, but I'm thinking the Whitecaps. Um, I think they claw in at – I'm looking just based on what I've seen from the other teams. I'll put sixth. I think they'll get the away playoff game. I think <laughs> – I saw someone, what is it? Shout out to the guy, Will Forbes.
0: Oh, yeah. Who who had the
1: Whitecaps on 13th, only ahead of Austin. (laughs) Like, I think that's a little low a ballpark. So I'm going to say sixth. I think there's, they definitely, they've got the pieces to to push up. I think the home playoff game will, will just elude them based on the fact that, you know, you, the uncertainty of Thomas and in, in goal and, you know, what the backline is going to, going to look like, but I think they've got enough firepower. They got enough overall to, to, to make six, to finish six. And honestly, maybe it, based on what I'm seeing, they might start a little slow, you know and then you, you hit your stride late on like last year that's almost what you want for the playoffs so i'm going to go sixth away playoff game maybe they make a they finally win that that elusive playoff game this later this year
3: all right well i'll dive in i'm just going to kind of go go off the cuff here you know looking at the western conference right so you've got you've got seattle i think seattle's probably a better team than
0: the yeah. caps
3: you got sporting yeah. kc you got colorado I'm going to say, based on the center badging alone on their new kit, but also the strength of what they've done in the offseason, LAFC is at least going to be in a playoff
0: spot. Cough, right? cough, Mark DeSantos.
3: Yeah. So <laughs> there, there's four. Then, you know, either Minnesota, LA Galaxy, uh, Portland, Nashville. We're kind of forgetting about Nashville is a pretty good team. Uh, and now they're in the West. So, you know, there's a good amount of competition there. It's not going to be easy to get into the playoffs and so i'm gonna go just one spot lower than alex i'm gonna say seventh and that's gonna be a really competitive seventh. like yeah. i would expect five six seven even four five six seven maybe to all be you know we're talking three to five point margin potentially yeah. so you know they could easily win their last three matches and, and end up in fourth so i think all of our we, we're all kind of in the same place, right? It just yeah. depends. yeah I think I think Nashville's maybe a little bit you know something people are forgetting about. There's a couple teams that could have bounce backs and uh, I, I think the White caps are going to be you know all things considered about as good as last year. It's just mm-hmm. other teams get better uh, and, and and going on a heater like they did no matter how well you're playing just isn't sustainable, I don't think. So I'll, I'll, maybe I'll cautious point
1: there. I'll hop in and say we're forgetting also that the Whitecaps are finally going to have their first full season at home games because for whatever reason last year, they were really good at at home. It started to feel like the old Whitecaps. So if they can keep something similar to that at home and be adequate on the road, that's definitely at least seventh place, right? So I I just feel like uh, that's that's a factor worth worth considering because it's been, what, three years, four years since they had a proper home field advantage? It's it's been a while.
2: Well, I mean, it'll it'll be three years
0: yeah we had the uh so we've gone fourth fifth sixth and seventh all the way down the, uh, yeah. the, the we, we have
2: the the 90 plus optimists and the, the third sub pessimist yeah, yeah. so,
3: <laughs> i mean ev- everyone's make has them making the playoffs though so i think that's yeah. you know and the last I, I couple mean, of years yeah. i wasn't so optimistic
0: i mean you look at last year the goal was to make the playoffs and this you know despite how they got there they did end up getting there and you yeah I I, I I it's been a minute already it's it's been a long day for me. It's only two o'clock. But what either Alex or Sam, one of you mentioned that, you know, teams get better. And I'm thinking and I'm looking at this Whitecaps team. No, apart from Tristan Blackman, you know, I'm not considering Seb Bearhalter, Simon Betcher as key, you know, season changing signings. Have the Whitecaps gotten better? Have they kept up with the trend of everyone else? They've sold their number one goalkeeper and team MVP in two of the last three seasons to a direct playoff rival in the West. Um, they lost striker support in Theo Baer, they lost midfield support in Jenny Obikel. Before we wrap up here, this is a good topic. I've, you know, one of you mentioned there, but has this team actually gotten better and can they keep up with the rest of the West?
3: Oh, such such a good question. Uh, (laughs)
0: You know, I, I think
3: if, okay, if I'm going to try to play white caps defender here for a moment, you know, you've, you've taken, if if you can't trust Eric Godoy to stay healthy, um, hopefully he's able to be healthy and, and provide the, you know, top 10 top five center back and MLS type play that he's capable of. But supposing that's not something you can rely upon. Okay. You got Tristan Blackman in there. Um, you're hoping Kyle Alshandry has a full, healthy season. Pedro Vite, I mean, it's really easy to just forget about someone who is, in a lot of ways, supposed to be a landmark signing for the club. It's just he didn't get the opportunity to show anything, and you know, then you're you're capitalizing potentially on a full season of Brian White and Ryan gold So, yeah, you're you're putting a lot of eggs in that basket. So, did the Whitecaps get better from what they were at the end of last year? No, but um, last season was so compromised, not only in a yeah. not playing home matchups way, but also in having these guys jump in late, having guys not be fully fit. That being said, injuries happen, unexpected things happen. I mean, we we're doing season previews at the beginning of last season. We're talking about, you know, ali adnan and bruno gaspar and how they're going to be a dynamic combination at the fullback position bring them back and now that's just a distant memory right so things can change really really quickly uh so that's always the you know the the thing creeping up on you but i i do think that there's it feels like there's additions to the squad even though kind of explicitly there aren't and i know that's a that's a soft cough out sort of corporate (laughs) answer but but there is at least some truth to
0: it yeah
1: I'm sad, Sam. You put out the idea back in my head that I never got to see Bruno Gaspar and Ali Adnan play together in a 3-5-2, and that's kind of disappointed me. But uh, to answer your question, I think you have to look at what, you know, kind of almost mathematically look at what the Whitecaps did. So if you're going to go on the negative side, they lost Max Crepo. That's obviously a massive blow. Like, Max, if Max Crepo isn't in a Whitecap last year and you assume you replace him with, like, a league average goalkeeper – so Like some random 30 year old American who went to college and you know at Duke or something like that, the white caps probably would have finished 10th or 11th. Like, let's be real, like Max Crepo made a huge difference, especially in the the, in the Mark DeSantos half where the white caps were kind of hanging on. And even under Vanny Sartini, like Maxine Crepo doesn't make that save against Dallas, he doesn't pop off in some of those home games. The white caps aren't even close to the playoffs, so you lose Max Crepo, that's obviously a huge blow. Um, you lose. Otherwise, you know, yes, using, losing Daniel Bikel hurts, I think, overall, based on what we saw under Vanity Sartini. No, you can get away with it. Otherwise, they, they mostly kept, you know, hold of their assets that they finished the year with. Okay, so you look at what they gained. So I think you look, obviously, a full preseason of Vanny Sartini, that's a huge plus. because the fact that he came in halfway through the year and was able to implement ideas as quickly as he did. You can only imagine what a full preseason did. I think a full, you know, preseason of Florian Youngworth, a full preseason of Ryan Gould, Brian White, three key contributors to last year's team. I think that that helps. Again, this still isn't necessarily offsetting a po, but it helps. And then you factor in a full season of Kyle Alessandre, a full season of Pedro Vite. I think overall, and, and obviously the Tristan addition, So I think overall, with what you have guys coming back and, and those quote unquote, even though they're not new additions, I think the Whitecaps are enough to maybe make up for the Crepo signing, if not fall just a bit short. So they finished what six last year? That pushes them down to seventh or eighth. And then I think the wild card is Thomas Assault. I think if Thomas all will be the difference between them finishing as high as top four and them missing out on the playoffs. I think it's that's just the reality of it. I'm not to put pressure on him because I think he's obviously young and I don't want to. I'm, I'm very excited for what he has to bring. But I just think uh, based on what he shows, he'll really be that deciding factor to be, OK, did the Whitecaps really approve or not? Because whether we like to admit it or not, Maxime Crepo papered over a lot of the crack. So uh, I think this is this team, even despite what they lost, they made up for Crepo already on its own, assuming you had a league average goalkeeper. So Thomas Assal either being a league average goalkeeper or being above a league average goalkeeper will kind of swing the pendulum for me between how good they, they really are. So that's kind of how I'd, how I'd break it down and, and how I'd expect them to to, to kind of look in terms of, OK, did they actually improve or not?
0: Well, I think with that, and we've had more than our fair share of Thomas Assal talk in the last few weeks on this show. So I think that's gonna just about wrap up our time here today. Alex, Sam, thank you both very, very much. Obviously you guys uh with the third sub podcast alex you're with uh bts and doing some work with one soccer as well we've been noticing so congratulations on that yeah. uh sam with 86 forever as well and your schooling overseas so going very strong school is important
2: keep that in. <laughs> that's
1: it. we got an Sorry, international man. caps podcast here, three different time zones too got to yeah. shut that out
2: yeah you know whether we get uh europe uh montreal, montreal. and uh vancouver And I guess Vancouver, no, Vancouver on the same time time zone. We just forget about you sometimes, Josh. (laughs) I know. our West
0: Coast. (laughs) All right. Alex, Sam, thank you guys both very, very much for joining us here on episode 63. I had to check my notes. 63 of the 90 Plus Podcast. all right joining us now on the show myself and josh we are joined all the way from a rainy gloomy columbus ohio patrick murphy of sb nation's massive report patrick how you doing i'm doing good uh yeah as you mentioned it's
4: it's been rainy but it's not cold here so that's at least a positive
0: you were out at practice earlier you're getting closer and closer obviously the regular season opener just a few days away at this point Uh, uh, interesting season coming up for Columbus 2020 champions 2021 you missed the playoffs what's sort of the expectation coming into the season I think it's to
4: to do better obviously I mean every team I think comes into the year with with the hopes of making the playoffs let's be frank last year was was disappointing for the crew not only had they won the year before but they'd added a number of pieces Kevin Molino Bradley Wright Phillips it looked like you know, they were making moves to win again. Um, I know a lot of people had them as a favorite, a team that could compete in the Champions League with the depth that they'd created and, and whatnot. And it, it did not happen. And you can put a large, you know, a large factor for that being injuries. The crew were hurt a lot last year. I mean, I think they only had their starting 11, their ideal starting 11 on the field together, maybe one game. Um, if you include Kevin Molino as like part of the ideal starting 11, even though he didn't hardly played at all because of injuries, then they didn't have the ideal starting 11. So that was a major factor, but it just, it it just never went right for the crew. Um, You know, the the champions league thing obviously complicates things at the beginning of the season. So this year they, they feel like they've fixed some of that. They've gotten a little younger and uh, they feel like they're hungry and and ready to make another run at it. And obviously we'll, we'll find out starting Saturday, but, it's, it's a much better vibe around the team than it was when we were leaving at the end of the season. And even at the end of the season, they finally got some guys healthy and, and won a few games in a row, almost made the playoffs, but um, definitely had a better feeling being out there at the facility today.
2: Um, you know, you mentioned Kevin Molino, is he, is he going to be back and and fit ready for the opening day or is he still a little bit to go?
4: He's still out. Um, he came in to the season well. The start of the, I think it was a hamstring or, or something along those lines in the preseason that kept him out for a while, kept him from making his debut. And then he only, I want to say like seven games he played. Uh, then he tore his ACL, which has been a ongoing thing for him throughout his career. I think that was the third time he'd done it. So he did that in August. So they're hoping to have him back sometime early summer. Um, but he's, he, you know, right now he's just rehabbing and whatnot. So that's a guy that really, like I said, he's only played seven, eight games for the crew. So if he could get back in healthy and healthy and, you know, maintain his health, it would almost be like an additional signing for the team this summer because he just hasn't seen the field and really gotten up to speed with this group since signing uh, last offseason. season.
0: You, you mentioned there uh, how injuries really just derailed your 2021 uh, apart from Milino, there are there any other injuries of note coming into this uh, regular season opener? Because Vancouver, we've got a pretty strong history of always having something go wrong with a, a key player in preseason, uh, whether it's injuries or anything else. But for the most part, you know, fingers crossed, we're a few days away from uh, kickoff right now, but we're looking good so far. But what about uh, Columbus? Anyone else kind of of note that may not be in the opening day at 11.
4: Knock on wood, they have stayed pretty healthy this preseason, at least in terms of guys that you would expect to play a part this Saturday. The one exception could be Josh Williams, center back who really established himself. He's, you know, he's been around the league. I think this is his 13th season, played for New York City, played in Toronto. Uh, most of his career has been in Columbus, but um, was, was part of that MLS Cup team starting with Jonathan Mensa. He picked up a hamstring injury in the last preseason game. It looked like he was messing with it throughout the game and then finally in the second half he sat down and had to come out Caleb Porter said today that he's not ruling him out yet and they'll know more later in the week but right now I would I would probably just based on what Caleb said list him as questionable probably for the game and it wouldn't surprise me if if they're cautious with him and you know maybe uh maybe go to somebody else there just you know not to have something happen that makes it worse for the rest of the season
2: you, the Columbus Crew added a bit of wing depth this year with Etienne yeah. and uh, Ye Yuba. Do you think that's going to kind of help what they were missing last year?
4: They certainly hope so. Uh, one of our guys has an interesting stat that in in the games last year, Crew wingers combined for four goals from open play. You know, taking out any sort of free kick or penalty kicks, um, and that, that's just not enough. Uh, especially when you know you don't have a Chicharito, where that type of striker, you know, Jossie, Jossi Zardas is obviously in the U.S. mix, but he's never been known as that type of prolific scorer to go after 20, 20 goal, 25 goals. Um, so you need production from that whole attacking group. Yaluboa is an interesting one. Uh, you, you, know, you look at his highlights, you talk to people about him. He's an exciting player, willing to take guys on, can do a number of different things. And so he was kind of the big addition there. Derek Etienne came on towards the end of last season. Actually, he, he kind of finished each of the last two seasons strong, scored in MLS Cup 2020, and then kind of fell off the beginning of the next year, came on late last year. So uh, it, it'll be about consistency for him. Same with Luis, D, Luis Diaz, young player they signed a couple years ago, looked really good after they signed him, and then the league seemed to sort of figure him out a little bit. Um, Alex Matan, who came over last year, struggled to kind of settle in. He was a young player leaving – uh, Europe for the first time. So those guys certainly need to produce. Pedro Santos, who's been a winger for the team for a long time. It looks like he's gonna move back to left back um, after Milton Valenzuela left. So he'll still produce on the wings, but not as a winger. So it'll be it'll be an interesting group. Um, but yeah, they definitely need more production out of them statistically. You know, they they did okay last year. I don't I don't want to say it was a was a bad group, but just you could definitely use more out of them um, to kind of get this attack where it should be.
0: Gosh, you're talking about all these set-piece goals. That brings Whitecaps fans horrible memories to the start <laughs> of last season. What was it, eight, nine games to open the year without scoring an open play goal? Everything, penalty, corner, freaking one, you know, something or the other. Right. Um, you A name that you mentioned there, Gyasi uh, Zardes, there's a lot of pressure on him, Miguel Berry, uh, popped out of nowhere last year, uh, yeah. put in uh, rather consistent work up front for Columbus. What's Barry's role this year? And what's Zardes' situation looking like moving forward? Sure. Um, Zardes
4: is still the guy, you know, I believe when healthy, when with the team and not with, with the national team, I think he's more than likely to start. But Caleb Porter in the last press conference last year said, They consider both him and and Miguel Berry, who you mentioned came in last year, I think 18 games and scored eight goals. A lot of that was off the bench, Uh, but he said he considers them both starters, not necessarily at the same time, though they may do some, some two forward looks this year, but um, there's going to be much more competition than Zardes has had in Columbus uh, for that spot. And I think you'll see based on, you know, game weeks, based on matchups, things like that, times where Miguel Berry does get the start. Now, It's easy to do it one year coming off the bench. No one really knows who you are. Now everyone has some film on Miguel Berry. So he's going to have to prove it when, when people know how to defend him a little bit. And and I think he will, he looked good in preseason. Um, So I think he'll, he'll probably be a, a, you know, a prime backup for Zardes who does see a good amount of time. Uh, But, you know, in my mind, Zardes, a lot of what he does doesn't get recognized on the stat sheet, his work rate, he sets up their press, things like that, that, you know, a young player can continue to learn, but is still in the process of doing so. So, um, you know, I think they'll both probably score right around that 10 goal mark, you know, unless one of them goes on a tear, that's, that's what Zardes has done pretty much his whole career when he plays regularly up top. Uh, So, you know, I, I think both of them are capable of that, but I'm not sure either of them is, is going to push into that next 15 to 20 goal goal scoring uh,
0: ranks. And, Go, go ahead, Josh. Oh, I was
2: just, no, no, go ahead, Ben.
0: I was, was going to say, as this is a, a, a White Caps podcast, you can tell we're the two Canadians on, on there. <laughs> um, yeah, as this is a, a White Caps podcast, you know, it's only right we do mention the upcoming game. Uh, you guys, the listeners, may be listening to this Friday, Saturday, or even after the game. Um, it's typically, we've seen a four-three-three with Caleb Porter in, uh, in Columbus. Where is going to be the area of weakness this year? And, you know, to be a little bit more specific, this game for Columbus, there's a lot of new moving pieces along the back line with the defense. Where is the kind of area of concern that Columbus is kind of hoping they can get away with, A, this season, and B, on Saturday?
4: Yeah, I think the answer for both is probably the same until we see it. And I mentioned it earlier with Pedro Santos playing left back. He's done this a little bit in the past with the crew. And actually he told us last year, he started his career as a left back and ended up working his way up to, to playing a winger position. But um, you know, he's, he's not naturally a defender. He's willing defender, but you know, he's, he, he didn't train that way his whole life. And Milton Valenzuela who the crew have had for the last four years, five years, whatever it was um, when he was healthy. And that was part of the problem. He, he was one of the better left backs in MLS. So I see that as, as a potential hole. Now, now maybe Pedro Santos, who, who is a little bit older, 32, 33, maybe he ends up, you know, making that his own. We just haven't seen enough of that to, to say for certain. I have confidence he'll be able to, to provide that attacking area of the game. But defensively, that's a place if, if I'm an opponent here early on in the season for the crew, I'm looking to exploit that. Um, Steven Marrera, who will play on the right back, Came in mid-season last year, kind of got going late in the year. I looked like a good player to me. Um, I liked what we saw, but we'll need to see it continuously from him. So those fullback spots are still kind of the question mark for me. Um, you mentioned, you know, kind of the backline in general. If Josh Williams isn't in there, they they may start Milos Degenek, I believe is how you pronounce it. He's an Australian, Aussie, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're really excited about him, and I think he actually may be the starting center back next to Jonathan Mensah you know once kind of the season gets going but he just kind of got here three weeks ago two and a half weeks ago so I don't think ideally they wanted to start him right away but that may happen with, with Williams and the potential injury um, so th- the backlight in general has some question marks but I think specifically the fullbacks is where I'd target if I were in opposition.
2: So if you're looking at the Columbus this season and you're and you're trying to be optimistic where do you where do you see them them finishing this year? Like, what's the what's the ceiling for this team? You think?
4: Yeah, I think they can get back into the the thick of the things in the Eastern Conference. You know, I think the talent is certainly there to be, um, you know, top two, three in the East. It's just a matter of kind of how it all comes together. Obviously, staying healthy. Um, Caleb Porter's teams have had a knack, even back when he was in Portland, of going. Uh, making the playoffs, making a run, and then the next year, not making the playoffs and then coming back and making a run. So if that pattern continues, the crew should be in good shape. Um, You know, I think they've added more depth. The big thing that Caleb's talked about in preseason is flexibility of formation. He doesn't want to kind of be locked into what they do very similar every week, obviously some tweaks based on the opponent, but he felt last year when they did have all those injuries, they still only knew how to play one way. And even when they tried to change it, tried to go to three in the back late in the year, they just hadn't worked on it enough to to really rely on that. So they've spent the preseason trying to alter some things. And I think that'll make them more difficult to play against. So, yeah, I think they'll be right in the thick of it. Probably, you know, if I'm picking a, a spot like three or four in the east, um, you know, but. I tend to be wrong at those predictions. So we'll see how that goes.
0: Nobody's right. They're all there. Just, yeah. Know, right. Like, <laughs> uh, finally, as we were just about to, to uh, wrap up episode 64 here, Patrick, before we let you go, can we get a score prediction for Saturday? White caps Columbus.
4: Yeah. Uh, I figured you guys were going to ask me that. I was actually <laughs> right beforehand trying to do some quick white cap research just to, to get an idea of, of what you guys have going there um i will i will be positive from the crew perspective here just in case any of the people listening back here so i don't get attacked uh i'll say 2-1 to the crew but uh again i don't i don't ever feel good about making these predictions
0: i don't know about josh i'm kind of feeling like a 1-1 quite yeah, definitely- slow cagey opening game of the, i'm not i can't see all that many fireworks coming out on saturday
2: yeah, I think I, I agree. I think there's going to be two teams trying to feel each other out, especially with the the opening season and an early start too. I mean, it's uh, I know that the atmosphere in Columbus is pretty good, so that might uh, that might amp things up a little bit for for the Whitecaps. Actually, finally, you know, being back in front of uh, real crowds and stuff like that again.
4: Well, we'll see what the atmosphere is like because it's supposed to be like in the. 20 degrees Fahrenheit here. <laughs> so I, I know the supporter section sold out. We'll see what the rest of the stadium fills out, uh, fills out with in terms of fans and whatnot. I hope it's a good crowd. but We'll yeah. see.
0: Before we let you go, uh, the, the big question of the off season that everyone in Columbus is talking about, what do you think of the new logo? <laughs> <laughs>
4: uh, yeah, that, that is funny. It all kind of came back this week with uh, the crew debuting the new jersey for this year and whatnot uh i'm not a fan of it i i liked what they had before i think it looks silly um i'm not as adamant about this as some of the crew fan fandom especially on social media um i don't have anything i don't think i own anything with with that logo on there unless it was given to me i don't i don't think i do um and i don't intend on buying anything but i also you know i'm not going to protest or anything like that so i don't like it but i'm not on the like hate it, hate it, yeah.
0: end of the spectrum. Fair enough. Well, we figured we ask. You know, we've yeah, sure. It's not often we get to talk about Columbus on this show, so we got to get as much in as we can in the the short time frame. And I'm not sure about Josh, but I'm about out of questions.
2: Uh, I, I was just going to ask what you th- thought of the uh, the the new kits because it's obvious. The, uh, all MLS teams are debuting yeah. their new ones. The the Caps ones. We, we kind of like the the new flavor we got going on up here. But what do you what do you make of the gold standard kit?
4: Yeah it's it's always important to me that the crew has a gold jersey or a yellow jersey whatever you want to call it um people get in trouble around here if you don't say gold so even though it's it's very bright yellow but um (laughs) yeah i i did not like when they went away from that i know it was new ownership last year with with the haslam's taking over and, and they wanted to do something a little different or two years ago i guess um so so i get it but to me, the crew since they debuted a you know a straight gold yellow whatever kit and I think it was 2000, you know it's just such a good look. Um, and I know there's other teams now that that wear similar colors. Nashville, um, black and gold, in, in LA, obviously with LAFC. But uh, you know I think when most MLS fans, especially longtime MLS fans, think of like a full gold strip. Um, you know you think of the crew so I think it's important for them to have that you you know you can do whatever you want with the other colors I think but uh, I like it when they have a gold one
2: I agree it pops
0: (laughs) yeah well that is going to wrap up our chat with Patrick Murphy joining us from SB Nation's massive report Patrick thank you very much and I hope for our sake that you're wrong uh, for Saturday and we'll have to chat to you down the line all right sounds good thanks guys (laughs) That was Patrick Murphy, massive report and SB Nation representative over in a cloudy, rainy Ohio. Hopefully, times can, uh, the weather can change before Saturday, but... You know, we'll see. We'll see. Knowing Vancouver knowing yes. Vancouver's luck, they're gonna they leave for the you know, where when before have we seen it be sunny and beautiful in Vancouver and they're traveling somewhere where it's anything but that, usually the other way around. But we've got obviously Hopefully three points in the bag, or we'll see what the roster formation is going to look like and which of the starting 11 Vanny Sartini is going to go for. Obviously, we had Vanny and Axel Schuster on episode 63 earlier in the week, so be sure to go and give that a listen as well as gives a real good insight to what Sartini and a lot of the front office members are thinking and hoping for as the MLS 2022 season kicks off.
2: No, I've been so excited with everything that we've heard all of this week, breaking down the the Columbus crew from Patrick Murphy from SB Nation. That was great to have him on and talking to Alex and Sam from the the third sub. And earlier in the week, like you mentioned with uh, Vanny and Axel. So, so excited for the 2022 Vancouver Capsie. It (laughs) It is. And especially, yeah, the 2022 Vancouver Whitecaps season to kick off officially on Saturday, February 26th against the Columbus crew. So make sure to, uh, to check that match out and uh, tune in next week because uh, we're going to keep you up to date all season long.
0: Absolutely. We are going to be back midweek to break down Saturday's game. And then also we'll be back uh, around Friday, maybe Saturday morning early next, late next week, early next weekend uh, to preview and break down what we're hoping to see in the home opener against New York City FC, a pair of MLS Cup champions, obviously Columbus in 2020 new york in 2021 vancouver in 2022 who knows we've got a long way before we can get anywhere near crowning a champion obviously just day one about to kick off but myself and josh griffith will be there with 90 plus podcast every step of the way so make sure you're tuned in at 90 plus on twitter and instagram anywhere you guys get your podcast me and josh will be there with 90 plus spotify apple google pocket casts and the list goes on and on and on we've got clips going up on instagram we've got clips going up on twitter we've got a lot of content going on all around social media so be sure to stay interacting with us on there as well as i think that's it josh let's get this season started buddy oh and check us out on the sports talk Line network you can find talk, yes, there as yes, well. yes 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 sports talk Line network but yeah. yes let's get the season <laughs> started let's kick the season
2: off let's go
0: all right. Episode 64, Bender Getty, Josh Griffith, signing off. Talk to you guys next week.
4: Thanks for listening to the 90 plus podcast, part of the sports talk line network.